0: To the broadcast. Speak my word is about to begin. Your host is Shannon Davies. And we are living in the time of the end. Three, two, one. We have a vision. We will be reading tonight from the King James Vision. Jesus told us to preach the gospel, cast out devils, and lay hands on the sick. If you are not obeying him, you better act quick. He's coming back, and we will all give a report. So obey Jesus so you don't come up short. All right, everybody, welcome aboard. We made it to Friday. Thank God it's Friday. I hadn't thought about it. Uh, we used to play the Friday song. Should we play the Friday song? Anybody remember that? You'd have had been tuning in for a few years to remember my Friday song. Uh, today is Friday, July seventh, two thousand twenty-three, and uh, I'm going back and remastering the uh, back catalog, starting with episode one, going forward. And um, there's a question on uh, many of these shows what was the date on it and I thought oh man I only started putting dates on my mp3 files uh, once I got up to about 1300 shows or so so for the first 1300 um, I'm like oh man I got to put a date on here what is it and I'm thankful that on many of those programs I'm actually mentioning the date like I did tonight so it makes the job easy, easier so praise the Lord put a date on there And uh, going back and hear myself say, well, welcome to the program. Tonight's August 27th. It's 2010. Amazing. Well, we're blessed to have a great archive to offer to you. It's all free. Help yourself. Don't forget, sign up to my Substack channel. That's how I communicate if the systems go down. OmegaMan.Substack.com Got about 150 of you on there. So 150 of you will Uh, know the score if um, we have uh, something we need to get to you. Threads has uh, released today, I understand. The new alternative to Twitter by Mark Fascist Zuckerberg and um, 30 million people have apparently signed up to it and already people reporting uh, being deplatformed. Essentially um, make the wrong post you immediately get the slap. Censorship from day one uh, warnings about misinformation and um, you'll get pop-ups that warn you and ask are you sure that you want to add Donald Trump Jr. and then one guy said I'm thankful to have a new platform we can expose Biden's administration and then They immediately flagged him and uh, people that are trying to add this new user who put that post up, they're getting pop-up messages warning that this uh, account has been engaged in spam or whatever it is. So Elon Musk said it right. Uh, Does the world need another Mark Zuckerberg platform? Uh, Will he continue his monopoly of the planet? With censorship everywhere he goes, and uh, it's looking like um, Zuckerberg uh, stole some of the some of the code from Twitter. So there's already been a shot fired over the bow. However, uh, by uh, by Elon Musk to potentially sue them, but um, Threads is not the same as Twitter. It's all algorithm based. AI driven and um, full on censorship so just another cyber ghetto and I say ghetto from the term Warsaw Ghetto which was an area set up in Poland to contain Jewish people and imprison them till the day came that um, the Nazis wanted to put them on trains and take them to Auschwitz to gas and burn them it was a, a a city prison. And uh, once they got people in there, they began to brick it up. And you had to have special permission to come or go. So, you know, I don't like these monopolies. And Elon Musk said, you know, where there are monopolies uh, and censorship, there's nothing but despair. And he's so, so true on that. I, for one, am not going on threads. What's the point? I don't need any more of Zuckerberg content. Uh, sadly... I'm still using WhatsApp. There doesn't seem to be a good alternative right now for that. They they own that. They also own Facebook Messenger. Uh, Signal turned out to be a dud for privacy. That's compromised. And uh, of course, I guess you got Telegram. So um, I'm not completely detached from Zuckerberg. I am using the WhatsApp platform, but I'm not uh, anxious to sign on to any new thing he's got. I killed my Instagram account, my Facebook, then Google, of course, the monster. We got rid of our social media there, too. And uh, I'm even out on Rumble at this juncture. What's the point? We're not doing videos. So I uh, am, though, going full stream with podcasting. And so the good news is where we are broadcasting, it's censorship-free. Our blogs on Substack are censorship-free. Our stream on MixLR and Substack censorship-free. Podbean censorship-free. And we have about 12 feeds that are now picking up the show. So podcast is going to grow like never before. Praise the Lord. If we can find uh, alternative ways to get uh, information out well, I'll certainly do that. And I'm certainly going to turn on my dehumidifier because now I'm up to 88%. Whew. I don't want to turn it on because it'll be too noisy. But I'll do it later. 88% in this house. That's how much water is in the atmosphere. 12 more percentage points, it'll be raining on me. 80 degrees. And we've got air conditioning. Uh, no shortage of air conditions here. I have four. You have to. There's no central heat and air here, so you put them on the wall. They're called split air units. Pretty cool. Mount them anywhere. A little remote control. I think it's a cool thing. And it keeps you cool. Somewhat. Uh, we're still living on a tropical island so uh, that's what it, where we're at usually every day in the 80's and uh, both temperature and humidity so talked to my brother tonight it looks like my first family member after 7 years is coming he's actually got a ticket now we just got to get my mom to come down but my brother Damon is on the way in a few weeks and I told him uh, just come here uh, and when you get here we'll put you in some shorts all you need down here is shorts and t-shirts foot flops if you want to wear them it's so humid down here don't bring anything else you'll end up not using it okay well enough about temperature and threads um, for a more positive note let's go to the word we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday welcome aboard Fred Raymond, Wes others out there. Where are tuning in from? God bless you all. Let's pray. Father Yehovah, the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this day. This is the day you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ right now, Father God, over every one of us today and our families. Thank you, God, for your blessings and benefits, for our health, for another day to be alive. We ask God that you would bless those that have come out today as we read your word, let it go forward and reach those you would have it to reach expand our territories, God bring in more people to this program we invite the Holy Spirit of God to come today, Holy Spirit in Jesus name, illuminate your word teach us your word, give us wisdom, knowledge and understanding in the mighty name of Jesus Christ also in Jesus name we bind every demonic force that is launched against any of us. And we rebuke the foul spirits coming against any of us in any form. In Jesus' name, command them to go. In Jesus Christ's name, we break any witchcraft or curse spoken or sin against any of us. And also, we ask you, Father God, that you'd surround us with warrior angels. Put a hedge of protection, wall fire from Zechariah 2 and 5 around each and every person tuning in and our family. And we plead the blood of Jesus over us all. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, amen. Okay, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. We're over in the book of Genesis still. We're going to be on uh, chapter 22. Audio okay, let me know. Here we go. And it came to pass, after these things, that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand, and a knife And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake on Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of Jehovah called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, and Lay not thy, thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham call the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, now people have debated over the spelling of God's name, and thankfully we don't have to debate it anymore, if you want to look at the evidence, there are now thousands of Hebrew Torah scrolls, identified by uh, Michael Rood. And his friend Nehemiah Gordon and Nehemiah Gordon's team and others that have the name of God in Hebrew intact with Masoretic Hebrew pointers so we know how to spell it and how to pronounce it. And it wasn't Yahweh, as some had speculated. It was Yehovah. That's how you pronounce it, Yehovah. And what's interesting is we had it all the time in the King James. It's just only mentioned, however, a few times. And in most places you're going to see capital L-O-R-D, which is just a placeholder uh, pointing to God the Father, whose real name is Yehovah then of course the son in Hebrew Yeshua HaMashiach in English Jesus Christ and then the Holy Ghost uh, the Ruach HaKodesh if you want to speak Hebrew but here you go right here in verse 14 it spells it and of course they use a J it's actually spelled with a Y but that's okay Jehovah Jireh look at at the it means uh, God is my provider Jehovah is my provider right and look at how it's spelled right there. It's not uh, Yahweh-Jireh. It's Yehovah. Another testimony. In our English King James Bible, it's right there. That's his name. Yehovah. Or we'd pronounce in English with it Jehovah. Okay. But um, there's how you may pronounce it, and then there's the correct way to pronounce it. So that's okay. I'm sure... Um, God is not going to bust our chops because we say Jehovah instead of Yehovah But if you want to know how to pronounce His name, there we are. You know, my name is Shannon, but some people in Columbia would call me Channon, 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 and uh, <laughs> I know I know who they're talking to. It's okay. Spell with a C over there for some reason. Um, all right. And Abraham called the name of that place Yehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, In the mount of Yahovah. it shall be seen. And the angel of Yahovah called on Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith Yehovah, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. And it came to pass, after these things, that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor. Huz, his firstborn, and or Huz, his firstborn, and Booz his brother. How, did you, how would you like to be called Huz and Booz, Or is it Huz and Buzz? I'm not sure. And Kamuel, the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazo, and Pildash, and Jidlaf, and Bethuel, and Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother, and his concubine, whose name was Rumah, she bare also Teba, and Gaham, and the hash, and macha. You know, even if you don't know how to pronounce these, um, better just to say something and own it. <laughs> than spend too much time trying to... You know, okay, just just say something and own it. I think I did a pretty good job, though. Genesis 23. And Sarah was 170, excuse me, was 107 and 20 years old. So 127, Wow. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died, and curd Jetharba, the same as Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah, and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead, and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my lord. Thou art a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre, but that thou mayest bury the dead. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, And entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is in the end of his field. For as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for possession of a bearing place amongst you. And Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham and the audience of the children of Heth, even of all that went in at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. The field give I thee, and the cave that is therein, I give it to you. In the presence of the sons of my people, give I it thee, bury thy dead. And Abraham bowed himself down himself before the people of the land. And he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field, take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, My lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between me and you? Bury therefore thy dead. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron. And Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, four hundred shekels of silver, current money with the merchant. Abraham was a wealthy man. And the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field, that were, in all the borders round about, were made sure. So they probably went out there and you know put some marker markers, like we would mark off land today, you know, with stakes. Unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And that place exists today, I'm pretty sure. I think you can go up there and visit it. And the field and the cave therein was made sure unto Abraham for possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And Jehovah had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by Jehovah, the God of heaven, and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son, of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from which thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son there again, Yahovah, God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from there. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son there again, and the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. Now, I'm not exactly sure where he put his hand, but I think it was down there next to his gonads. Not to say he probably just looked for the ball sack, put your hand down a few inches, and just grab right there in the thigh. That was, I guess, just how they did it back then. Um, just saying. Just like, the, you know, there's a Roman handshake. You ever seen that handshake? You don't actually put your hand on the hand, but you actually grab the forearm. And I kind of picked it up after watching the movie Ben-Hur. And, um, some people are paranoid about, you know, shaking hands. Of course I'm not, but I just thought that's cooler. So you're they're going for the hand just grab their forearm. And then they grab your forearm. That's how, you know, the Romans would kind of shake hands. But, uh this was something very sacred, and uh, when you did this, you were making an oath before God. He would, the men would just, you know, reach down there and grab, I guess, the thigh, right there. There you are. I think that's where it was. What's your, what's your take on that? So Abraham is being very clear to his head servant. Go and find a wife for my son. I don't want him marrying a Canaanite girl. He's got to marry from our own people. And whatever you do don't take my son back there. God had taken them out of the land and God has them on a a trajectory to inherit the promised land, not to go back uh, to the land that uh, they had originated from over there that Abraham had come out of. Okay. So here we are. Uh, This is um, one of the examples I sometimes give about why I think we should do things like this today You know, um, I don't think that uh, we should go find our future mate on a Tinder app and then go and meet him somewhere and then hook up or a Netflix date you go back to watch Netflix, have a bowl of popcorn and the next thing you know your pop goes a weasel and that's the way people do it, that's the way I did it You know, just uh, not God's way, not with chaperones not an arranged marriage, if you will. Not even like Samson who saw something he wanted and said, Hey Dad, go get her for me. I want to marry her. I don't see any I don't see any dating. Western dating in the Bible. Do you see it? Does Western dating ever work out? What is the percentage of people who will date who will not have premarital sex? And uh of course you say, well, hey, we'll just we're just not going to do it. We've already made our minds up that uh, we'll stay clean. And then, you know, you're dating. And you're dating for years. I don't buy that. I knew met some people here in the church. Indonesia, They were Indonesians. Uh, this young man, relatively young. He was in his uh, late 20s. And he had this uh, girl he'd been dating for seven years. And you're going to tell me they never had sex? They hung out with each other all the time I don't buy that and I said to him one day his name was Eckies I said Eckies when are you going to marry Dia because I'm looking at these, this couple you know they were always together the son of uh, uh, brother Ermanto, who we did some outreach with here we were able to go and uh, feed over a thousand people giving them individual big bags of food many of you helped me with that so you're aware of that story uh, did over we did over 20 outreaches may have been 40 I forget i got to go back and look at the number but it was a thousand people but I met them through them and uh, you know, here was uh, Eckies and Dia they would come on many of these and assist us and doing the outreach and I'm like "What are y'all getting married how long have you been dating 7 years and I said y'all need to get married and of course they can make their own mind up but they, they said you really think so I said sure what are you What are you waiting for? And they finally got married. Now, I don't believe that they were celibate uh, while they were dating. I mean, who can date for seven years? Who can date for a year and not do it? Come on, don't lie. Uh, if you do, you're in the one percent. Because I think, truth be known, uh, dating is a trap. And um, I like the old ways, to tell you the truth. Not to say it's always going to work work well, but, hey, uh, we've got a track record of failure. Why not try something new? Why not go back and do it the Bible way? It's the way I ended up doing it myself. And uh, it's working. And I escaped the trap that I'd fallen into myself before. So if you are going to do Christian dating... There is such a thing, then you better be with chaperones uh, so you can have accountability. And, you know, why date for an extended period of time? Why? Just to not make sense. You're setting yourself up for failure. I think, you know, you hone in on somebody and, and put down your want list. You know, number one should be, uh, I want someone who's on fire for Jesus. Filled the Holy Spirit loves God. Okay with deliverance. Non-smoker. Non-drinker. And there you are, and if you can get that man, you're you've got a winning proposition there. Just saying, uh, I like how they're going to do it here, and uh, there are still cultures that do it this way, and then there are other cultures that uh, don't get married at all, and they're dying out, like the Japanese right now. They're going extinct as a uh, as a people. More elderly than there are young people. And the young people, they don't want to get married. They'll have excuses. Well, I'm trying to make money first and there's just never seems to be enough money to get married or i got to do my career first or what have you. And then beyond that, how many people want to have kids? I'm talking about the West. They don't have that problem in Asia or the Middle East. They're having children abundantly in many of these nations, but uh, not so much so in, in um, Indonesia. It's kind of strange over here. I'm meeting a lot of people that are not married and they're in their 30s already. I'm like, you know, how long are you going to wait? You want to have a baby? You want to wait till you're 40? What's up with that? We got married young in the South. Now, I, was, I was 19 when I got married. Grandmother and granddad 16 and 18 great granny she was 15 married uh, great granddaddy he was uh, in his early 20s and was a school teacher farmer had a farm but uh, waiting till your mid 30s I'm just saying if you want to do that it's your business but uh, people keep putting it off and off and uh, next thing you know they're not married at all no kids species dies out Japan dying as I mentioned many other nations dying a lot of people not even want to get married anymore. They just want to knock the boots. Want to be free. Okay, what, to each their own, I guess. But just saying. Now, the Bible does say thrive. I think, you know, uh, build your house, you know, plant your fields and get married. That's probably a good idea. Benjamin Franklin said thrive before your wife. There, there's There is wisdom in that. Not saying everybody should go out and get married at eighteen or nineteen. Not saying that at all. But I think when you've decided, whatever point that you are going to take a wife, um, don't date the Western way. Of course, I don't think we have any younger audience here. that's going to benefit from this uh, sage advice. <laughs> tuning in here, I think most of you tuning in are in your late forties or fifties or sixties. We've got an aging audience, actually. I think most people are 45-plus. The demographic is uh, 65% women. So some of the things I talk about probably do not apply here, but just saying, in case there happens to be some youngster tuning in in the future to these archives, and then they say, that guy, he was whacked out. But then they wake up one day and they realize, yep, they walked in the same trap everybody else did, They said, maybe I shouldn't have listened to Omega Man. Not downloaded that app. Not did the Netflix date. I should have had an arranged marriage or set my sights on what I wanted and not wasted any time. I think I proposed within 24 hours. That's a whole other story. Some of you have not heard. No kiss till the honeymoon night. It was rough. For four and a half years, but when I finally saw what I wanted, I pulled the trigger. Son, I didn't wait. I was like, uh, David, Abigail, widow woman, jump on my mule and let's go. You want to get married? Okay, here we go. Okay, so now back to the story here. This is a true story. Abraham sends out his servant with a warning. Whatever you do, don't take my son Isaac back to the land that we left. Go and find him a wife if you can't find one that will accept the terms and you're free of your oath only bring not my son there again and the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham under the thigh his master and swear to him concerning that matter and the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that the women go out to draw water. So he's going to where the ladies go. All the ladies go there and they draw water. Now I hope I didn't insult anybody by trying to say if if you're not married by your 30s, you know, something's wrong with you. No, not at all. Never too late to get married. Just saying, though, you know, why wait? Um, but you may be an old maid or an what do you call an old man that's not married. There is hope, and there's a second life in Asia. <laughs> for Ace Hardware, for A&W Root Beer, and for those of us that um, may have went past the point of expiration. And still looking for love. No problem with the age gap over in these countries. No problem at all. Um, and it's never too late to find your love. It was very difficult in America for a Mega Man, being in his late 40s at the time and a deliverance minister slash exorcist, podcaster. Very eccentric on top of that, partnered only five foot five and three quarter inches tall to find a woman and uh I even wrote songs about it but but God God had a plan and uh sadly although there were no available women for me in my home country God did make a way and he sent me to a foreign land and I found my bride we're happy and we now have three children so there was hope for a mega man there's hope for anybody and uh You may be 70, it's still not too late. Amen? Just do it God's way. Uh, No kiss before the honeymoon night. Can you do that? That's the question. Could anybody do that today? Well, it's possible. It is still being done, but most people won't do it God's way. They'll do it the world's way, and they'll start dating, and then kissing, and then groping, and then next thing you know, they've knocked the boots. Pop goes the weasel. And they've fallen into fornication. And now they've got shame, guilt, and condemnation, and uh, there you are. Okay, so here we are. I'm going to look for a wife. Behold, I stand here by the well of water. Excuse me, I back up here. Um, oh, wait a minute. Okay, there we go. Verse 12. And he said, O Jehovah, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. So. Uh, this servant did the right thing. He, he had wisdom to pray and ask God for his help. That's a good thing. Father God, I need your help today in so-and-so manner. I said to, to the Lord today, myself, God, I need your help in making sure that this transfer goes through as I leave AT&T and jump over to Mint Mobile. God, uh, expedite that passport. Give me favor in this or that. The servant is saying, O Yahovah, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Help us to find a woman for his son. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water and let it come to pass that the damsel, here we go, so he'll know that he's got the right one for his master's son. Let it come to pass, Yehovah, that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Now that's a fleece for the Lord, so he'll know he's got the right one. I think that was a good one. Not every woman that he might encounter there might have the temperament to fulfill that request. He might have come up and get some women and said, "Hey, you, hey, who are you? You get your own water. Don't ask me for my water. You don't want that kind of woman." absolutely he wanted um, someone with a servant's heart someone with kindness that's who you want and uh, praise the Lord and it came to pass before he had done speaking that behold Rebekah came out who was born to Bethuel son of Milca the wife of Nahor who was actually Abraham's brother with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon. Beautiful girl. It said a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well. And filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her. And said, "Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher." And she said, "Drink, my lord." And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand, and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, "I will draw water for thy camels also, till they have done drinking." Oh my goodness! This girl's going above and beyond. So much hos- hospitality. Kindness. That's the one that Isaac needs, doesn't he? And she hasted, and emptied her picture into the trowel, and ran again unto the well to draw waters and water, and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace, to wit, whether Jehovah had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight, and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold. And said, uh, Whose daughter art thou? I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said more unto him, We have both straw and provender enough, and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped Yehovah. And he said, Blessed be Jehovah, God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, Jehovah led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man unto the well. We're going to see Laban again when another needs a wife. And it came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands. And when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man and beheld, and he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of Jehovah.' Wherefore standest thou without for I prepared the house and the room for the camels. just occurred to me, you know, people back then they knew the name of God. There's no question. They knew his name was Jehovah. That's really the only bone that I have to pick with the King James. That uh, they should be consistent and uh, drop the use of the capital L-O-R-D just as uh, the Jews in the Torah should uh, get off of this just saying Hashem. Let's use his name. Just don't use it in vain. Using it to curse. Now he said, Come in, thou blessed of Yahovah. wherefore standest thou without? Why are you outside? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him do you wash your feet when you go into your house (laughs) well no probably because uh, you're not in some dusty environment and you got socks and shoes on but have you ever been out in a place um, where there was a lot of sand or dust or you're working on a construction site or something and you had shoes and socks on and then you take them off and you got sand on your feet and in between your toes. So how'd that get in there? That stuff can get through small pores, porous of the shoes, you know, and your socks. and That's happened to me before. Of course, uh, maybe you're in this part of the world and you're pretty much just wearing sandals. Flip-flops, as many people do. They even have people over here that wear flip-flops with socks. Kind of corny, but there you are. Uh, But where I'm going with this is when you go into a house, you take your shoes off. You take your flip-flops off. You go barefoot. Nobody over here that I've seen will dare enter into a house with those flip-flops or shoes still on. I mean, if they go up to the door, they take them off. But usually they take them off on your doorstep. And you'll see it—you a, know, a dozen flip-flops, especially when we have like a... a mom has one of her uh, get-togethers over here, prayer meetings. Fellowship is what she calls it. And uh, it'd be rude for me to do it. Or you to do it. If you came over this part of the world, whether it be uh, Indonesia or Japan, I can't speak to the other countries. They're probably the same. Because... Uh, It's just rude, and and it's nasty. Yet I wasn't raised that way in the West. Maybe you weren't either. In the West, we've got carpet in most houses, and people just walk on in with their shoes and maybe take their shoes off when they get to the room or later. And you're tracking on all that stuff that's on the bottom of your feet, uh, your shoes, into your house, into your carpet, you know, um, how many people take their shoes off the door? That's one thing we could benefit from if we did it the way they do it in other parts of the world because they just know it's nasty to do that. To not take your shoes off, your sandals, whatever. And of course, these people are wearing sandals, so they're treading in you know different environments and you're going to get uh, dirt on your feet. And so you would also want to wash your feet when you came in. Um... Is we wash our children's feet when they come in over here, because you know the kids will be wearing flip flops. Sometimes they take their shoes off and wherever they're running around, you know they get dirty feet. And I'm like, hey boys, gotta wash your feet. Mama, take them back to the bathroom wash their feet off in the shower, because the bottom of their feet dirty. And that was just that's just life. Your your feet were always gonna be dirty, coming into buildings. But while our feet may not be dirty in the West, the shoes are, so those shoes need to come off. And if you're tracking it through the house, that's just nasty. Of course, I didn't really think that way until I considered it, and you know became until it became a you know part of a lifestyle over here. So yeah, I um, I would be embarrassed if I forgot and didn't take them off, uh, then realize I hadn't. So yeah, I take them off. I just go barefoot once I get in the house. Everybody does. If you have socks, you can keep your socks on if you want. But, um, Yeah. Even my socks, they come off when I get in. It all comes off. You know, just leave it at the door. And if you got dirty feet, wash them. So this was just a practice then. And uh, did we did we lose this practice? There's some other things that are also odd when you realize, like using toilet paper to wipe your buttocks, uh, you never really get clean, clean just using paper. And it's considered barbaric over in this part of the world just to use paper. What people use is they have this little hose. It's like the faucet that, little hose that comes out of your faucet that you're washing dishes with. Uh, and I've also seen the other type where it's like a uh, uh, a bathroom shower—it's and it's got the hose with the little wand. They'll have the bigger ones there too, like wands. But usually, it's that little spray hose that's in your sink, and they—they um, they have it wi- uh, piped in right into the toilet. So there's a little T um, pipe there with a valve, and then they screw on the uh, the hose, and there's a little hook for it on the wa- on the side of the uh, the wall, and you can control the water pressure with it with a nozzle and uh, you go do your business on the toilet and then you spray off with the hose wash yourself real good might have to do it a couple times and uh, and then you know, you can use tissue to pat dry and uh, if you got something on that tissue then you got to wash again and that's how you do it. Then you throw the tissue into the garbage. You do not flush it because everybody uses septic tanks down here. You would clog up your septic tank. So the tissue goes into the waste bin, and typically there's not, you know, there's nothing on it because you've rinsed all that stuff off. You're so fresh if you really think about it. And we don't do that in the West. Most people don't. And so most people are not very uh, sanitary anyway. and They have a lot of hair down there. You know what I'm saying? And then you're doing your job, and then you're just trying to clean it with a piece of paper. You've got dingleberries down there and smelly, I'm sure, for some people. And uh, I never thought about using a hose until I went overseas, and I saw this strange contraption. Well, first, it was a bidet. Of course I heard about the bidet and I'm like that's kind of odd man like a second toilet seat and you stand over that, and it sh- shoots the water up there so when I lived in Costa Rica 20 years ago I had a brand new condo never been lived in before and it was beautiful and in the master suite upstairs it had a toilet that had a bidet contraption I said what is this and it was funny using it you know it's like a water fountain coming out of the toilet and that's kind of extreme you don't need to have that um uh, I never saw it again, really, after that. But then went to Panama, and uh, in Panama, they had this shower wand hooked up to the wall or that little uh, little nozzle spray, sprayer, as I said. And I said, this is interesting. Let me try it out. And I, I said, wow, this is great. Get clean. Then, of course, it's ubiquitous in Indonesia. A lot of people don't even have toilet tissue. They just use the hose. But I'm like, you still got to pat off, you know, you don't want to be dripping wet. And uh, so you take your shoes off when you get to the door. Don't track any dirt in your house. Keep your house nice and clean. Nobody uses carpet over here, it's just too humid. Plus, I realize carpet's so unsanitary, especially if you don't take your shoes off. And so um, everything here is, you know, stone tile for you see what's on the floor, you sweep it up, then you mop it every day, and it always stays clean. So, I like that too. You can have throw rugs. Uh, There will be throw rugs sometimes, but I haven't seen any carpet shampoos over here, so there were a few places that I saw some carpet in a hotel, and it wasn't very clean. Just saying. Um, And then, of course, as I mentioned, the bathrooms, they all have the the hose. And um, I learned real quick, Better learn learned how to use this because I went in, I was out at a grocery store one day, had to go to the bathroom, went in there and and I realized I didn't bring any baby wipes. And there's no toilet tissue in here. Oh my goodness, I freaked out. Is this really going to work? And then, you know, after a while it just, become, just becomes the norm and you realize, yeah, you can survive. All you need is water. And uh, <clears throat> it's more sanitary that way now there was a transition point for me uh... i went from you know just toilet paper to realize there's got to be a better way to using baby wipes and then i had a uh... horrible horrible situation for some time, i may have promoted baby wipes on this program maybe you'll remember those days I Always mentioned gotta use baby wipes but uh, baby wipes i i had a really bad experience with and uh... I didn't realize it but um, baby wipes have chemicals and I must have been doing okay for a while but I changed brands and and there was chemicals on there even though they're supposed to be unscented, alcohol free and uh, let me just say that gave me some issues. Tore my butt up and uh, I didn't make the connection I, th- I thought I had, a, uh, I had a problem and Narita said, stop using those baby wipes because I had been using them for years now. And um, one day she said, stop using them. And so I stopped using them and the issue cleared up. And I realized there was a chemical on there that was torquing me. And I said, to hell with those baby wipes. Never use a baby wipe again. I had never went back. And then, praise God, I finally embraced the water hose rinse down system here and never had issues against. Very sanitary, very clean. And uh, there we are. Who knew that we would do a tip on hygiene here today? Maybe this is food for thought that you have been living as a barbarian like I was and most of us raised in America for way too long and it's time to up your game, your hygiene game. Take your shoes off when you get to the door. Start a trend. People say, What are you doing? So I don't want to track that stuff into your house. I've been, these, uh, the Souls shoes have seen a million miles. Who knows what's on there? If you take some microscope samples, take them off of the door. Make your whole family take their shoes off the door. Nobody walks in the house anymore and tracks that stuff in. Up your game. And then, uh, If we ever move back to the West, that's one of the first things I would do. I'll take a picture of it here so I know how to tell the uh, plumber what to do. And um, we would install the little T-pipe, and I would mount one of those sprayers up on the wall. It's the only way to go. Only only way to go. Stay clean. And um, you can survive. Plus, you can save money. What would people do without toilet paper? They'd have a heart attack. Remember back um, in the toilet paper runs, people didn't care about bread or milk or eggs. They just had to get their toilet paper. People were fighting over their Charmin. Don't squeeze my Charmin. Give me some of that Charmin. Remember that No joke. They could have saved money. Maybe you could have saved money if you're one of those people lined up at Costco to get your hundred rolls of toilet paper thinking. Uh, you had just saved saved a life because you got an extra roll of t- toilet paper uh, you could have just survived with water and a napkin for a pat down listen, this show is uh, of value in many more ways than you ever knew <laughs> it really is revolutionary though and I think back about it how much of a barbarian I was that we are in the west, we think that uh we're the cradle of civilization and technology innovation and we're still wearing shoes in our house and we're still wiping our butts with toilet paper thinking that we're gonna be clean. It's really kind of gross when you think about it. it. Really is. Up your hygiene game. Install water hose next to your toilet. Okay. That's all I had to say there. I think I've milked that one for as much as I can. Um, and uh, either you're sold now, or you're you're saying I'll never listen to Mega Man again. They're talking about um, some strange things over there, but you know it, that's just it's cultural over here, and it makes sense. And I'm thinking, what else can I learn? There's a lot to learn from other cultures. Back to the marriage, you know, they're doing it the right way here. Isaac didn't go out. And go down to a bar and try to find his wife. End up hooking up, falling into fornication, uh, building soul ties with a woman that he's not going to be with. That's going to probably have a hundred other soul ties before she's done or he's done. And everybody's loaded up with demons. Multi level marketing of demons in the spirit. You connect with two, and they'll connect with two. Next thing you know, you got a million soul ties coming into you with demons. That's where we are as a culture. We're loaded with demons and we live like barbarians. Okay. There's something we can learn here. So is Rebecca the one? We're going to find out. She's still got to accept the offer. And there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told my Aaron. And he said, speak on. In other words, do I tell you what I'm here for? Let's do business first, then we. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. And Jehovah hath blessed my master greatly. And he has become great. And he hath given him flocks and herds. And silver and gold and men servants and maid servants. And camels and asses. You know, God blessed Abraham with all this. Blessings of God. Flocks, herds, silver, and gold, men servants and maid servants, camels and asses. you know there's nothing wrong with having a men servant or maidservant. Nothing wrong at all. You pay them a wage, you give them food and lodging unless they're you know just working during the day as a maid and then they go home. There's people who make a living that way, make a good living over here. There's a lot of people that are men servants and maid servants. They work in a house. Sometimes they live in the house in a maid's quarters. I'd, I never saw that really in America. I mean there were I, I remember we had we, uh, my grandmother Davis had a, uh, a housekeeper that would come in once a week. And they weren't wealthy but grandmother and granddad both worked on the Davis side. Uh, sacred jobs until they went into the ministry. and um, It was a big family so there was a A black lady, what was her name? Really nice lady who would come over once a week and clean the house. And we would usually come over on the weekend to visit grandparents when we lived in the area. And I always knew that somebody cleaned that house because it was always nice and fresh. Because I think she would come over on a Thursday or Friday, the the maid. And uh, she didn't live there. Only worked one day a week. But uh, I thought, man, that's kind of unique. And I think what happened is that wasn't really the norm. Unless you're real wealthy, you might have a maid. But it was because grandmother and granddad Davis uh, had been in the Air Force. Granddad had retired with them and they'd lived overseas, so when you lived overseas, that was pretty common. And they had, I'm sure, they they actually did have workers, in fact, I know that for a fact now, thinking back about it, when they lived in Libya, Africa. So that was something they kind of exported back to, to America, the idea of, let's get some help here and uh, others say well I can never even think about doing something like that and then uh, you find out that uh, the much of society the more well to do people they all have maids some have drivers or butlers or cooks or a combination of all the above a landscaper a nanny Speaking of nannies, the strangest thing I ever saw was here in Indonesia. I was down at the grocery store at the mall some years ago, and uh, there was a wealthy Chinese lady, had three kids, and for each kid had its private nanny. It was funny because she's walking around the mama with her three nannies who were in tow of the three kids, and the nannies all had uniforms and had these backpacks. It was something like uh, Chinese anime. It was funny. I'm thinking, man, that's a wealthy lady. She's got three nannies, one for each kid. Whoa! I used to have a driver when I lived in Costa Rica. It wasn't cheap, but I was single at the time and had a little bit more expendable cash and um, didn't have a car. So I thought, you know what, I, I was using a taxi driver and then we became friends and he became indispensable to me. His name was what was his name? Dennis, excuse me. Dennis. Sorry, Dennis. And I said, Dennis, you want to work for me? Be my driver? So I cut it and I paid him $200 a week. And uh, we used this car and then I would, of course, pay for the gas. And that was a good job for him and uh, met my needs too. Because I was paying 30 to $40 a day and I thought, man, I need to shave down some of my expenses. So I just hired him full time. And uh, yeah, that was great. I had a my own driver I thought about putting him in a uniform like Cato the driver with Green Hornet <laughs> at one point but no it never came to that but he was a cool cool duties lifelong friend although I haven't talked to him in many years but it would be just like yesterday if I went down and saw him again that I knew him um, Panama Costa Rica we had maids. And you could get a maid cheap. And some, again, would have uh, live-in maids, because usually every place you go, they have maids' quarters. It'd be a little small room with a small private bathroom. And your maid would live there on site. And, uh, I said, this is interesting. What does it cost to get a maid? Found out for $20 a day, which is actually expensive in Costa Rica, you get a maid. Come in and, uh, I was living as a bachelor in Costa Rica, as I mentioned. This nice condo, and uh, a Nicaraguan lady, really nice lady, would come over about three times a week, and you know, work about seven, eight hours. Come in and have her make me coffee, and then she would go to work and um, mop the floors, clean the bathrooms, and then iron my clothes, and you know, did the uh, the house job for me. Then I'd pay her twenty dollars in cash. It was good money for her, and um. She did a great job, and they, they would had a really interesting technique for mopping the four. They didn't use, like, a, again, maybe you don't mop the four except your kitchen because everything's in carpet. But over there, you know, we, anywhere in Asia, pretty much saw tile, even in Mexico. I never saw any carpet. Um, so you're going to mop the four every day. And what they would do is it wouldn't be like this same mop that you use over and over again. It was a mop pole, but it had a metal um Tray at the end, and you would take just a regular towel. And I could never get the hang of it, but this lady could do it great, and wrap it, and mop the floor. You know, pine saw everything, mop it up, and then when you're done, not just stick it back in the water closet. uh, She would take this, and throw it in the dish in the washing machine and wash it, so you had a clean mop every time you did it. I thought that's kind of cool. I like that idea. Uh, They don't do that here where I'm at in Indonesia, but that was the technique they used in Costa Rica. It was interesting. But you get a maid for $20 a day. In Colombia, it was uh, $7 a day. I used to have a man servant. Uh, Somehow it just worked out that way. He was a um, uh, Colombian man who would come over to the house and uh, work for $7 or $8 a day. I think it was $8. And I had, I had this big house I rented back then. Huge. Just the sheer surface area of the floor to mop. I mean, that could take a few hours. And uh, he needed the job. And uh, at that time, really, I didn't have much furniture. So it, it just became kind of uh, really repetitive. I really only need him maybe twice a week. But he needed the work. And I thought, what the heck, just mop it again. So he'd come over every day, mop. My floors were clean. I put it like that. Work all day. We'd feed him, of course, pay him, pay him his wage, and he was happy. He made good money. That was good money over there. You know, uh, we've got it good in America. We've also are paying more than ever before. So some people say, I'm going to the land of the free, but then I, I tell them, uh, do you know what you're going to pay for an apartment or house now, I'm, I'm told? It's crazy. And I, I, And then, of course, taxes, 40%. Probably going to Uncle Sam. But um, most people in the in Asia, I'm talking Indonesia, I'm talking Mexico. they don't make a lot of money. I'm talking Costa Rica, even Panama. unless you've got a real skilled labor skill set like that or you're a doctor or lawyer or something like that, you can be making a hundred. $50 a month, and that's uh, average salary over here in Indonesia. $300 if you're a go driver. Mexico, I remember it was $100 a week uh, for some, but for many it was 50 bucks a week. Like, how do you survive on $50 a week? And you're working seven days a week. But $400 was the average 20 years ago when I lived in Tijuana. For um, most factory workers, and again today in 2023, 150 to 300 a month—that is uh, the wage, and people survive on it. I don't know how they do it. Well, I tell you how they do it: you can get a maid over here for about 125, 150 a month, and um, they will live in a apartment with three other people. So, they split the rent. But that's the average wage over here. Now, you take that into consideration and then look at the price of uh, real estate over here on the island of Bali. They can't afford ever to buy because I uh, I gawk at the, the pricing over here and I'm thinking, man, I can't afford it. How's a local going to do it? And it's because you got a lot of expats that have come in here and they just buy land and pay exorbitant rates that everybody wants and then it just artificially... Elevates it to a level that just sticks there, and you know if you don't already have land, you probably never get it. In some parts of the world, it's just gotten so crazy. But um, salary hasn't kept a pace with that, so that's the average salary over here: 150 to 300 a month. If you're doing more than that, you're really doing well. If you're doing 1000 a, a month, oh, wow, oh boy, you're living really good over here. Okay. Uh, where are we at? We're going to finish this up. He's there and he says, let's uh, deal with the business before we eat. So Laban says, speak on. And he said, I'm Abraham's servant. And Jehovah hath blessed my master greatly. He's become great. He has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold. Men's servants, maid servants, camels, asses. Okay, I, I know now where I am and um, tie it back to that. There's nothing wrong if you have a maid, if you can afford it, or a driver or a butler, I guess. What is a butler's job? Uh, a cook. That'd be kind of cool, have a cook. Um, some people have private trainers at the gym what's the going rate for that now is it like 20 bucks an hour or is it 100 dollars an hour I have no idea anymore I tried that one time years ago and he pushed me to my limit and actually uh, hurt my um, one of the muscles on my shoulder and I wasn't able to work out again for a while Okay, so he's a blessed man he's got all this there's nothing wrong with being blessed And, of course, you bless others when you give them a job. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go into my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. You know, if I live long enough and the Lord tarries, I I may help my children find a wife. I'm thinking about right now, Jeremiah. He's six now. About 15 years from now, he'll be ready to get married, give or take. And uh, I may help him select his wife. I'll say, son, I got one for you. You mean to arrange this? But thou shalt go into my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, Peradventure, what happens if the woman will not follow me? And he said unto me, Yehovah, before whom I walk, will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my Father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from this my oath, when thou comest to my kindred, and if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. You know, I, I think that's something we could adopt in prayer right there. I hadn't thought about that. I, I prayed many times said, God, you know, give me favor. But, uh, This is a form of doing it. He says, uh, Abraham said to his servant, you know, the Lord, Yahovah is going to send an angel with thee and prosper thy way. That'd be awesome. Father God, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would send your angels before us to prosper our ways today and whatever we've got to get done. Send an angel to prosper my way today, I pray. And those tuning in, in Jesus Christ's name. Did you know an angel can prosper your way? It says right here. If God sends him, that's interesting. Yeah, I need some prospering in the way. How about you? I do pray, you know, something similar. I say, God, you know, give me favor today. I've got to go down and uh, get this passport done. You know, loose your angels ahead of me. Now I can articulate it just a little bit better, you know, to prosper me in my way. Just like Abraham said to his servant. And I came to stand to the well and said, O oh, Yahovah, God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of the water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom Yehovah hath appointed out for my master's son. Do we ever bring God into the selection process for our mate? Or do we pick him for ourselves? Well, I think many, including myself at time in the past, had picked for myself. I picked wrong. Not this time, though. I made a switch I said God you choose bring in the one that you have for me bring in the one that can live with me who is part nerd very eccentric cast out demons not every woman could be with you Mega Man wouldn't tolerate tolerate my lifestyle you know just couldn't match but God knew there was one out there and she's rambunctious I'll tell you she's not a pushover these Batak ladies, they're thick boned, as I told someone the other day. Very stocky. They've got like a mesomorph not an endomorph or an ectomorph body. Mesomorph, so they're they're built like a mule. Kick like a mule. This girl could knock me out. Her so much density in the bones. Uh, but I needed I needed a tough woman, and she's a good mother. Uh, loves Jesus. And uh, God gave him a match. But only when I. Asked him for help. We try to do it on our own. We can pick wrong. Told someone the other day. I said you're. You're living in fornication. If you die tonight in that sin. And do not repent. You are going to hell. It says all fornicators will have their part. Will not inherit the kingdom of God rather. If we don't repent. And I said you would someone that. Uh, was not selected. By God for you. You've selected them. Oh, they're already compromised. Is that what you want? Or do you want what God has for you? They've got to make up their decision. And uh, at this point, they have decided to stick with what they got. But it's not God's will. For many of the things that we would choose ourselves, what if we start saying, God, you choose? Uh, moving on to names, many people, you know, just say, uh, "What am I going to name my child? What do I like? What sounds cool? Let me find a new name in a baby book. What's what's trendy, trending?" Well, you could put a name on a child. Names have importance and significance. What about going to God and saying, "God, what would you have me to name the child?" Now that's what we did this time. Never had considered that before, and I had two kids from my youth, the first half of my life. I didn't seek God in the name I named one after an actor that I liked Charlton Heston and another after an actress I liked uh, Haley Mills had a crush on her growing up and Heston was my son's name named after my favorite actor Charlton Heston at the time now I have a new favorite actor Uh, in addition to Charlton Heston I like Michael Caine he's my favorite living actor right now that guy's cool he's got class but when it came to naming our three children, did something I never did before. I said, God, I don't know what to name the child. What do you want? And uh, God gave us all three names. I mean, it was just incredible. Hard to believe, but it happened. And uh, right out of his word, I told my brother Cameron, who's now expecting, God gave him a miracle and Him and his wife were not able to conceive initially, and I said uh, I know a couple people that can pray for you, and they get success. Uh, God lets people have children that may have had uh, difficulties in the past. When these two guys pray, and one's Joseph and the other's Doctor Jonathan Hanson. Well, I ended up talking to Doctor Hanson. I said, "Hey, I have a brother." Uh, All right, I didn't tell him who it was. I said, "There's, there's a." uh, a friend that uh, him and his wife want to conceive, and they're having difficulty. Don't know what the issue is. Is it with him? Is it with her? What's going on? I don't know. But God knows. And he said, "You go back and tell them if they'll fast for seven days, they will conceive." And I went back and told them, and I didn't hear anything from them for a while. I thought maybe they thought I was, you know, flipped, you know, uh, off in left field somewhere they come back and tell me we're pregnant and we followed the advice, the instructions that were given to us from Dr. Hanson they fasted for seven days and they had an impregnation then and I've told them, turned out to be my brother Cameron, said Cameron you and Lourdes, your wife uh, ask the Lord what he'd have you to name the child, he may give you a name like he gave me three of them do we ever consider and ask the Lord what he wants? God, who do you want me to marry? What do you want me to name that child? Where do you want me to live? God knows best, doesn't he? And if we realize that, then what do we want God's best or do we want to settle for second best, or maybe Satan's best? I think it's wisdom seeking God in all major decisions, minimum. So he's saying, you know, God, bring her, bring the one in that you want for my master's son. And before I'd done speaking in my heart, verse 45, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down unto the well and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank. And she made the camel's drink also. And I asked her, and said, whose daughter art thou? She said, the daughter of Bethul, Nahor's son, whom Micah bare unto him. And I put the earring upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands. So that was, you know, a, a gift to her. And that was the currency then of gifts for, I guess, someone that would be betrothed. Gold bracelets, and a, uh, an earring. That's what they dealt with, gold and silver. That's a currency over here in um, Indonesia. It's gold jewelry. Not gold coins, or not silver bars, but it's gold jewelry. People put their wealth in gold jewelry. And there's uh, this one street where it's just back-to-back Jewelry stores and uh, people go in there all the time to either uh, buy gold, sell gold, and you get a little receipt with it. And uh, if you got this little receipt, you bring it back, um, you know, you're guaranteed you're going to get fair market value. And um, that's what people put their wealth into gold jewelry over here. It's very interesting. And they'll have people that also just buy gold from anybody at random. Uh, who wants a quick sell that won't have to go into the uh, the shops uh, and you'll see them they'll be just sitting in a chair with a little um, waste bag around them and you'll see them uh, separated you know each uh, a block apart or or so and you can go up to these people and just give them your gold and they'll pay you in cash right there so, you know site on site. It's interesting. Culture over here. It's all about the gold jewelry, though. I hear there's some nice gold chains in India, like 24 karat, big, thick, braided gold chains. Um, and I've seen I've seen them, actually. They're very nice, real gold, 24 karat over there. Not this 10 karat or 14 karat. I mean. That's where you go to get your gold. Places like India, Dubai. So he had given her the bracelets, the earring. He's rehearsing the matter with Rebecca's family. Now they just got to get agreement from the girl. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped Yahovah, bowing himself Oh, excuse me, I skipped a verse here. Um, here we go. And now if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from Jehovah. We cannot speak unto thee, bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her, and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as Jehovah hath spoken. And it came to pass, that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped Yahovah, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant now brought forth jewels of silver, and jewels of gold, and raiment, and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. So there were gifts that were exchanged. And you'll hear about that a lot of times in you know, those old times where um, some of the commerce was done in changes of cloth clothing. There's one story about a a man who is healed and uh he wants to pay the prophet of God, but the prophet of God will not take money, refuses it. But his servant goes back and tra- you know, catches the guy in the road and speaks up to him while he was on his horse and says, Hey I, My master didn't uh receive anything, but you know, I will take it and he got uh, some changes of cloth- clothing and I don't know was there like a standard kit of clothing you know one size fits all what was it I would like to see some of these clothing you know I guess uh, one dress for this lady that would have been usable by any any woman uh, were these cloaks you know I don't know what, what was a changing of clothing was it a standard uniform I don't know that people wore. But there's an exchange here. After the the agreement, silver, jewels of gold, raiment, and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave to her brother and to her mother precious things. I remember when I came here, um, I knew that this was probably a culture like that. And I... Um, Bought some jewelry. It wasn't very expensive, actually, but it was still nice. Some some earrings and some different things like that. And uh, some, brought down some perfume and uh, trying to figure out, I'm going to need to give some gifts. And it came in handy because when I arrived and I had to go get permission to marry, it was something that just mom and I had decided to do. Well, she had to accept the, you know, the proposal first, but, uh, but then we still need to get her father's blessing. So, I arrived on April 25th, 2016, in Jakarta, in Bali. Excuse me. Then we flew to Jakarta about two days later. God just did many miracles for me along the way to expedite everything to get me to that point, and then uh, came time to meet her family and. We get over to her house in Deepak in Jakarta. Her dad's there. Mama's there. Brother's there. Sister there. Sisters. Auntie. Her child. Some cousins. uh, Brothers. There was a whole group there and they were all sitting on the floor. Like Indian style. And um, some of them were friendly, but her dad, he was like very stern looking, he wasn't smiling, and I had to convince him, you know. We, he had to agree, in other words, for me to marry. And there was some negotiation going on there in Bahasa that I didn't understand. And it was really about uh, the fact that they wanted us to get married the Batak ceremony, which lasts seven hours, and has some occultic things in it. And we didn't want to go for that, and um, yeah it, it, there was a debate there for a while but finally her dad and said okay I'll let you get married in a church but your sisters are going to get married in the batak ceremony <laughs> at any rate once that was done they brought out hot tea and then they brought out food it was on the floor we were sitting and uh, you know eat with your hand or you could ask for a fork but a lot of the Indonesians eat the Indian style with their hand rice and chicken and and we had some fellowship and laughed. And then I uh, got some of the gifts out and uh, gave her mom and auntie and her brother and some others some gifts some cologne and some earrings. And they were all excited to see what I'd brought. I had a couple hundred dollars worth of gifts. And then I gave them out, brought them in my suitcase, and dispersed them. Didn't have to do anything like this, though. Or like those dowries in some of these countries. Man, in fact, there's a tribe over here. In Indonesia, and uh, very famous, and this group, if you're going to marry, you're not you're not going to be able to do it unless you can meet the requirements of the dowry that's got to be paid to the father of the bride. And so, if you're a young man want to get married, you're going to have to come up with at least twenty thousand dollars, because you're going to need that to buy. Like ten water buffalo, and you got to buy uh, so many goats, and then you got to even buy a dog, and that's the dowry. And I asked the people, I said, "How do you afford to do it?" That's a lot of money for anybody, and they said, "Well, we could never do it ourselves, so it's a family thing. The whole family comes in together to pull the money, so that you have enough to get married. When they have it, you can get married." And for that reason, there's not much divorce because nobody could afford to do it a second time. But that's a true story. I've confirmed it. Multiple times with people that tell me they're from this location. Just escape me the name of it, but it's a particular island over here. And uh, you got to buy like 10 water buffalo. No joke. The dog, the goats. That's the dowry. It's expensive to get married. And for that reason, there's a lot of people that aren't married. They haven't saved up the money yet. So, there's been an exchange here. And they did eat and drink. Yeah, there you go. He and the men that were with him, and they tarried all night, and they rose up in the morning. And he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel bide with us a few days, at least ten. After that she shall go. And he said to them, Hinder me not, seeing Jehovah hath prospered my way. Send me away, that I may go to the, my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. Now, were they getting cold feet or what? We'll see. And they called Rebecca and said to her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Okay. And they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse. So she took a nursemaid with her, her assistant, and Abraham's servant and his men. These were wealthy people. Could you imagine? You have your own nursemaid, manservant. You know, King Charles got one that uh, helps him take take off his uh, his uh, suit and put it on, and other things that he attends to. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, "Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. Wow, thousands of millions. You know what? A thousand million is a billion. 1000000000s they're saying, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well of Laroy, For he dwelt in the south country. I wonder if that name is uh, where we get the names like Leroy like Leroy Jenkins Leroy interesting, Leroy for he dwelt in the south country and Isaac went out, here we go this is how he got his wife and Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the evening, eventide and lifted up his eyes and saw and behold the camels (coughs) excuse me, we're coming and Rebekah lifted up her eyes and when she saw Isaac she lighted off the camel folks this was in love at first sight she jumped off that camel herself she was anxious to meet her man for she had said unto the servant what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us and the servant had said it is my master therefore she took a veil and covered herself And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother's mother Sarah's tent and took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Wouldn't it be exciting to do it the way they did in the Bible? How cool would that be? rather than do it our way and we get shortchanged. That that was love at first sight, first time he met his wife. There was no dating. There was no long courtship. There was no sampling the goods ahead of time. Met his wife. They are married. Then they knocked the boots. Okay. They died with their boots on the they uh, met each other and then knocked the boots and I'm going to end right there (laughs) and I only had one coffee it is getting late over here it's uh, about 151 a.m. in the morning my time, I'm working the night shift so you can have a daytime show over there And it's working out okay my sleeping schedule is still jacked up but I'm hoping that it will reform soon Praise the Lord. God is sustaining me and uh, I want to thank you for tuning in today. Have a great weekend out there. Father God, thank you for your word. Bless the here in Jesus' name. Bless everyone, God, who has come out and thank you for those that pray for us and have supported the program. Bless them mightily in Jesus' name. If you'd like to support this work that we're doing here on Omega Man Radio, we are listener supported. We literally rely on our daily bread. And that bread comes from supporters of this program. Um, I thank God that I have a roof over my head today and have food to eat. And uh, God has got us this far. But it'll take fuel to keep going. And if you'd like to help us, you can come on at any level you want one time love offering, regular monthly gift, whatever you want to do that God puts in your heart. You can do so. My website makes it very simple MegaManRadio.com. I've got PayPal. GoFundMe, we take Zelly, now we can do Cash App, and then we have a mailing address. Um, And for those that are into crypto, I I do still have an interest in crypto, and we have that ability to receive crypto if you want to send it. But uh, anything you can put in to help this program continue, I know God will bless you, and uh, it will bring good fruit, because um, those that are able to help us have part in the labors, and will also reap the harvest. God bless you all. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Please share this program with a friend and then I'm not on any major social media. I rely on people just like you to uh, help us get new listeners by uh, sharing a program that can help us do that. Also, don't forget, sign up to my Substack page and all these archives are free. Don't forget we have a second podcast channel called The Omega Man Reloaded where I put up uh, uh, many new programs every week, remastered, give you additional content and so you can access that back catalog again. That's all i got to say. God bless you in Jesus' name and uh, we'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. God bless you.